your confidence. It really is a theme in season for all of us as we are making sense of the church, of our lives, of God, where the nation is going, and it can be summarized usually in the frantic expression, what on earth is going on? The truth is, there's a whole lot of God going on. And the gap that you and I think we identify is simply a place where we can discover God again as a 21st century church. Maybe we were complacent as a 20th century church with our formulas and sophisticated faith and God in a whole range of boxes that we could go and retrieve him any time there was a situation and pull a few levers here and there and here we had God in all of his fullness. I know God loves you and I far too much to allow us to stay at that place of prefabricated faith. In many ways the body of Christ is discovering God all over again in the 21st century. We heard this afternoon of what a true apostle should look like. And if you were not here, I encourage you to listen to that message time and time again. Put that message in the hands of your relational network in the body of Christ. That we can be educators and help the church identify what the true apostle looks like. That we can be safeguarded against the false and be part of a body of people that are ushered into the new apostolic age that will transform nations for the glory of God. Tonight's message is entitled Progression. Everything we are doing here, everything that's been happening over the weekend and into the conference has God at the centre. We're not here to try and discover what you and I as people can do for God. We're here to discover what God's doing, pray that he does the work in us and that we can co-labour with our God. That his purposes and plans will be unleashed in the 21st century world when the kingdom of God advances on the earth a spirit of progression is released in the lives of the saints that's definitely worth repeating when the kingdom of God advances on the earth a spirit of progression is released In the lives of the saints. You can call that authentic Christianity. It's the only Christianity. God's purpose and plans create this dynamic. I believe we're in a time where we are positioned to receive a spirit of progression. That we will be advancing with the kingdom of God. Sometimes the picture gets a bit blurred. I think you know what I'm talking about. Joseph's an example of that in the Old Testament. In Psalm 105 verse 19 
we read until the time that his word that is God's word came to pass the word of the Lord tested him Joseph was a man of incredible destiny he received great dreams visions words from God and before any of them came to pass the word of the Lord tested him if we broaden out the context somewhat in all of this and all of the interaction between God and Joseph a mighty plan and purpose was being released into the earth God was moving in something the scriptures call hidden wisdom it's at the heart of every battle that you and I are fighting today the battle ends when we discover the hidden wisdom of God forget the enemy attacking the plans and purposes of God God releases his purposes and plans upon the earth to expose where the enemy is hiding out God wants to engage the enemy to defeat the enemy in our circumstances we must not allow the enemy to twist our biblical thinking that it's the enemy that attacks the purposes of God like God's tiptoeing around in the heavenlies God is God and the problem with that is he believes he's God and when he looks at the enemy he looks at the cross and says him again let's have some fun and there you and I are about to be launched into the battlefields well God has some fun defeating the enemy but in all of that releasing his purposes and plans in our life over the conference we've heard the word transition mentioned time and time again Dale mentioned this this afternoon he also mentioned this on Saturday morning Pastor Jim has used the word frequently over the last few days so we can ask God honest questions why all this transition why are we going through all of this transition I'm going to make a statement it's a simple statement but it's a little bit wordy so we need to fasten our charismatic seatbelts we need to go through transitions simply that you and I can be placed on a new paradigm I told you it was a bit wordy I wasn't expecting a spontaneous round of applause making that statement and we'll speak it over in English in a couple of minutes but in essence what's going on in our lives right now is God is taking us off one paradigm and placing us on a new paradigm we've got to check the dictionary out when paradigm is mentioned it's one of those 
words, when we hear it, we kind of know what it means. But unless we have a full flavour of what it means, we will miss the mark completely. This is a critical apostolic and prophetic word that has direct application to our present and our future. In other words, it's very, very important. What is the definition of a paradigm? Bear with me on this. It's not information, it's a highway to revelation. We beat the enemy by the knowledge we have. And he can deceive us when we lack knowledge in any given area. Paradigm consists of distinct concepts or thought patterns. That lends itself to what's a concept? Well, a concept's an idea or a notion. Concepts are conceived in our lives and constructed in our lives. Concepts take a long time to develop in our lives. But when they're fully established, by reflex we will move into thought patterns. It's an amalgamation of mental and spiritual activity. Ideas, notions, emotions that go with all of that. Taking us into a thought structure where we continue to embellish that thought structure. And all the while conceive supplementary concepts to support the main concept structure. It can be simplified by saying we do things every day without thinking about it. Because of the concepts that dominate our lives. Because of the thought patterns that come out of those concepts. And therefore, here you and I will live on that paradigm. Before I knew Jesus Christ, I was alcoholic and many of you know my testimony. But I had a whole range of ideas, notions, a central thought structure where I could do things without even being troubled for a nanosecond. My thought life was totally governed by the paradigm I found myself living in and all the patterns of behaviour that supported my alcoholic lifestyle came from the paradigm that I was living in. God started to work in my life 11 months before I came to know Jesus Christ in July 1983. Away back in time. That was about 35 pounds ago for me. Way back, yes, in those days. When you could smile at a pair of trousers with a 30 waist band and they smile back. <laughs> now they burst out laughing. <laughs> what did God do in that 11 month period? I can tell you what he did. He started challenging my concepts. He started challenging my ideas. He started to intervene in fresh conception of sinful desires and thoughts. In other words, I was beginning to get new ideas, notions, 
that I can live life without any alcohol at all. Even more radical, a thought structure in my mind was growing that said if I have God in my life, I will have peace and purpose in my life. And of course, I had neither peace nor purpose because I didn't have God. All of this was going on inside the mind of a performing alcoholic in Glasgow, Scotland. The moment of crisis came when I was at my lowest ebb. The Lord delivered me that morning from alcoholism. The power of God was so strong, it immediately grounded me in a number of ideas, notions, thought constructs, and my behavior changed instantly. Never, ever to go back to the old way of life. In simple terms, it's Romans 12, verse 2. The problem with that Bible verse is in its familiarity. Most of you know that verse off by heart. But we're taking that into the realm of living in a Christian paradigm. Where we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. By the renewing of our of ideas, of notions, of thought constructs. So we can prove what the will of God is. So that we deliver the evidence and the substance of what the will of God is. By living in the reality and modeling that to the world all around us. I believe the paradigm we all lived in as 21st century as 20th century Christians is simply being demolished by God. The model of church we lived in, the paradigm of church, is casually being demolished by the hand of Almighty God. One commentator put it like this, transition is death by installment. Keep smiling, it gets worse. Sometimes God chooses to move our lives forward. And we all say, yay, to that one. But the vehicle he chooses is crisis. The thing about crisis is, our lives move forward whether we want our lives to move forward or not. In fact, crisis in our lives moving forward in God's economy from our point of view, usually feels like her life's moving backwards. But it's part of getting taken off the old and placed on the new. Part of the journey will often involve times in the wilderness. But what we believe works, what we truly cherish in our hearts, simply ceases to produce any fruit. That can be a relationship with God himself. That the way we related to him, the way we read the word, the way we prayed, well, it's like there's no anointing on that any longer. But the beliefs that supported that old mode of relationship are being challenged in the wilderness of our spirit and soul. Ministry comes into that. Sometimes in the charismatic church, we find ourselves using a 1970s evangelistic language to try and reach 
a 21st century postmodern world. As we say in Scotland, it winny ding. It winny ding, which in English means it will not work. As we go through cycles in the wilderness, so our hearts are exposed. But something deeper is taking place in our lives. Where we centre down on a truth that it's all about God. We identify the supercilious nature of our dreams. The self-serving nature of advancing in ministry or, or even being in certain key relationships. Generally speaking, when the shaking begins in our lives, in the wilderness, all that will remain in that season is that which God has decreed should remain. The wilderness is not for the faint-hearted. But when we trust God in the wilderness, He knows we will trust Him in any set of circumstances. Transition's only the beginning of the journey, not the end of the journey. I want to introduce you to another train of thought, another title. This is very important. Spiritual migration. Having got you and I into transition, where a lot of our old beliefs and prayers, expressions of God, even theology of God, are totally redundant. There's no point any longer cranking that up, trying to make it appear to be relevant to our lives as Christians. In that place of emptiness, the Lord takes us on a spiritual migration. If you look over your Christian life, you will see that God has put you into a number of classrooms over the years. He's led you by the hand, he sat you down, you've come under teachers, you've come under influences, you may have even fellowshiped for a season with like-minded believers who are feeding off that, um, that set of truths and life was like heaven and earth. But as soon as that truth is in you and I, God will invariably lead us into a season of taking us out of the classroom and beginning to test our lives to bring that truth into a day-by-day -day reality. Then it's another classroom. And then the same process begins again. Then another classroom. And we can all testify of the classrooms we have been in over our Christian lifespan. For some it may just simply be one or two churches. For others it may include your local church life, but also a Bible school experience. Or sitting at the feet of, a, of an anointed teacher for a season. Or being belonging to a, a home group situation where you went through certain themes in the scriptures over a number of years. You will know what that looks like for you personally. But right now we're looking at the theme of spiritual migration. 
We're in that time of year where birds migrate. Why do they know something's wrong? It's because the light's disappearing and the food's disappearing. They migrate instinctively south to find light and to find food. Whenever the Lord switches off the receiver in our spirit and we can no longer feed on what once was manna to us on a day-by-day basis, a spirit man begins to search for light and for sustenance. A spirit man is led exclusively by the Holy Spirit. Whenever your spirit man's getting stroppy with you, to use another Scottish term, I'll have you guys talking in a Scottish accent yet. You can tell your spirit man that he is designed to lead, but to be led by the Holy Spirit. When a spirit man is being led by the Holy Spirit, he will migrate to lives to a realm where there is light and where there is spiritual food. This is a work of God in our lives. Second Peter 1.3 gives you and I some insights to what the Lord does in our spirits during a time of spiritual migration. Second Peter 1 verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Breaking that down into three components. Going on in our spirits during a time of spiritual migration is the divine power of God. It's the divine power of God leading us, uh, taking hold of where we're at, guiding us to where we are designed to go in the Spirit, and enabling us to hear by the eyes of our Spirit the true knowledge that the same Lord wants to seed in our spirits, grow in our spirits, expound in our spirits, that once we are into the spiritual migration process and have found light and have found sustenance, our spirits will emanate with the glory and excellence of God. In simple terms, it will be absolutely clear to the world around you that you found God again. Sometimes God has to evangelize the church all over again. We tend to look at the word evangelizing as a mode of going out to win the loss for Jesus. I fully subscribe to that perspective. But primarily I believe the call of the evangelist is to evangelize the church that the church goes out and wins the lost. It's wonderful when we find God again as believers. It's absolutely wonderful. All of us live in a similar desire to know Jesus and to 
serve Jesus. To have a childlike paradigm where we know Jesus and serve Jesus will only take us so far in our Christian life. For over every one of us is a call to be a father and mother of the faith. So the power, the knowledge, the glory, the excellence that has kept us at the baby stage and then on to the young man or young woman stage, well, all of that needs to evaporate. That we can live in the divine power of God and live in a revelatory flow of knowledge that will be supplemented with his glory and excellence that we present to one another the reality of the ultimate promotion in the kingdom of God of becoming a father and mother of the faith over the last few days there's been a great emphasis amongst the conference speakers that the church in this era should be a church that holds no value on titles I was a little bit mischievous I said when we gathered in Pastor Jim's home last night in the 80s everyone wanted to call themselves a prophet in the 90s everyone wanted to be an apostle and the new millennium everyone wants to be a bishop <laughs> titles are intoxicating our flesh loves titles I'm studying for a doctorate at the moment and I'm an ordained minister so after I get my doctorate I can put on my cards the Reverend Dr. Alan Ross and a whole string of letters <laughs> Woo, my flesh will have a field day with that stuff that's what happens with titles it impresses man I don't want to say it nauseates God but I know it means nothing to him because it's not bound up in the new creation there's no spirits going around heaven with the titles reverend doctor before them it's brother and sister son and daughter when you and I have that title why on earth should we go looking for something rather more exotic when we're sons and daughters, we have absolutely everything. We're people that belong to another kingdom. Tonight our human spirits are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Our feet are on planet earth and our spirits mediate between the two worlds. Kingdom living at its finest. Our spirits renew that computer in our heads we call our minds, heal our emotions, position our will, and we have this body that we can do things like jump on aircrafts to fulfill the will of God that's come so clearly through our spirit and through our soul. We live in a context of kingdom rule essentially the kingdom of God is rather simple Psalm 103 verse 19 the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all there's no doubt tonight in heaven who's boss the Lord has established his throne 
in the heavens and the sovereignty rules over all. No wonder Jesus said in shorthand in Matthew 6 verse 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Tonight we are children of the Most High God who is seated on that throne and rules by the power of sovereignty. Sovereignty is one of those words that theologians usually headbutt each other over. But sovereignty in the original Hebrew language and applying to the verse we read in Psalm 103.19 indicates dominion, government, reigning. And to bring it into everyday English, has power. Understand the God who sits on that throne tonight in the heavens is not a democratic God. He does not operate through democratic systems. He is God. And when he comes into the earth to move, he comes in dominion. He subdues demons under his sovereignty. He subdues the ungodly beliefs of man under his sovereignty. He subdues sinful behavior and sin structures that support sinful behavior under his dominion. And then God governs. Sometimes through elected officials that have had a moral reformation. On other occasions through his intercessors that keep the outpouring going night and day and day and night. But when God turns up in the earth, he turns up in dominion. He turns up to govern. He turns up to reign and to show man and woman devils and demons that he alone is the one with all the power this principle is at work in the contemporary church body today when we reflect on transition and spiritual migration as children of God if you can imagine this generation of believers in the United States of America ceasing to look manward and only looking Godward and waiting in silence before that throne for a word, a movement of the Spirit, an indication of the Spirit, of spiritual substance growing up in and around them that will reveal the sovereignty of God that will be a signpost to the Lord's dominion government and reign in the body of Christ in the United States of America to demonstrate to secular America to political America to economic America that God remains God I believe it's the will of God that the day will come when this nation will listen to the body of Christ because this nation has sought to listen to God only 
It's not so much a salvage operation. It's not so much God usurping the enemy because the enemy has had a field day in America in the last generation. It's because God is doing something different in the church. It's because God's taking us off an old paradigm onto a new paradigm. And for you and I, it gets down to lots of practical things. This afternoon, Dale identified in Ephesians chapter 4 the five ministry gifts of Jesus Christ. Or the fivefold ministry, the ascension gifts, the gifts of Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of language that we use to identify the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher and evangelist. I hope every person under the sound of my voice understands biblically that Jesus Christ has five gifts and the Holy Spirit has nine gifts. They're not synonymous with one another. They can complement one another, but they are mutually exclusive in terms of purpose. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are gifts that are for the body. They're spiritual vitamins for the body. But the gifts of Jesus Christ are for the headship of the body. To bring the mind of Christ to a generation. To bring the governing qualities of God to a generation. That he may exercise dominion in and through his church. We're going to finish this message over the next seven or eight minutes. Ish, ish, ish. You always give yourself time to manoeuvre when you speak a specific timeline. But in many ways, the future of the church in terms of construct, core beliefs and spiritual activity will come out of the gifts of Jesus Christ. I believe in the last century we misunderstood the gifts of Jesus Christ. We looked at the gifts of Jesus Christ in the shape of the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher and evangelist as the spiritual supermen. We looked at the gifts of Jesus Christ in some instances down a Hollywood lens. Here's the truth. This is the first generation of believers that have related to worldwide famous ministers. There's never really been famous ministers in the church before that have fed the church through multimedia and enjoyed a following of multi-millions of saints. No wonder we've looked at the fivefold ministry or the gifts of Jesus Christ upside down. Of course, there's been appalling leadership models in the process. None more so than the authoritarian model that found its way into the church through the charismatic movement 
where Protestants discovered they could produce popes that were more lethal, authoritarian, dominating than any Catholic pope had ever been. Lives were destroyed through that model. There's a silent holocaust that's taken place in the church over the last 50 years because of the authoritarian spirit that has destroyed lives, destroyed ministries and left a generation of believers like spiritual has-beens. The gifts of Jesus Christ for this millennium the 21st century church are in a place of being tried and proven at this time and the true position of the gifts of Jesus Christ is not to take the place over the body lord it over the body franchise the body for their own ends dominate the body for their own ends but to get under the body and to lift up the body. And to lift up the body. And to lift up the body. That only Jesus Christ is seen and is visible. A key part of this. And Dale touched on this briefly this afternoon. And this is truth that I don't want you to digest at the title level. But a functional level that in the last 20-30 years the gifts of prophet and apostle have been restored to the church up to now they've generally functioned independently of one another this is an unbiblical model the apostle and prophet go together like ham and eggs Apart, they're okay. I like ham. I like eggs. Put them together and it's ooh la la. <laughs> the apostle and prophet are called to work together on the basis of Ephesians 2.20 that the apostle and prophet lay foundations. And to quote my friend Dale, it's not an information foundation, it's the foundation of Jesus Christ with our Lord being the chief cornerstone, the Lord being the governing person in the spirit of every believer without this the church will remain dysfunctional in missional terms the church will be like a dog chasing a car and when a dog chases a car he never knows what to do with it in missional terms, we were like people chasing the lost, and when they catch up with them, we'll not know what to do with them. The apostle and prophet working together can bring the foundation that no man can lay, the foundation being Jesus himself. Part of sojourning forward as an apostolic movement is discovering it's the realm of the apostle that as far as I can see from the scriptures has the charge before heaven of forming Christ in the human spirit. I'm not saying a prophet can't do it or a pastor can't do it or a teacher or evangelist can't do it but what I'm telling you this evening it's the apostle who can do that. 
Because of the wiring, because of the anointing, because of the truth, the weight of truth, simplicity of truth, but weight of truth that once it penetrates the human spirit, that human spirit becomes pregnant with another facet of Jesus. This is dynamite! This takes us way out of man-centered Christian religion and into the heart of the apostolic church that will turn the nations upside down once again before the Lord returns. All right. So as we seek to wind this message down, and I just say ish, 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 we need to allow the Holy Spirit to set our spirits tonight into a range of expectations that we have never had before. Truth always sets expectations. I believe as a result, this is expectation number one, as the apostle and prophet drawn together to walk in divine destiny and synergy to form Christ in human hearts to lay the foundation of Jesus in human hearts that we will see the body of Christ experiencing the word of God rather than living in a head knowledge of the promises rather than querying why some get healed and some don't the body of Christ will begin to experience the promises because of that unique synergy between the apostle and prophet. In other words, there will be a new faith movement in the body of Christ. That instead of moving into a hyperbolic mode and a super triumphalistic spirit, we will merely model the fulfillment of scriptures in our lives. And that in itself will make the word that lives within us the living word in many other people's experiences. Ephesians 4.12 For the equipping of the saints for works of service. The main thrust of the next move of God will be a release of the saints. That we will be doing church in the marketplace. We will be doing church in the highways and byways. We will be doing church everywhere the saints are trained and equipped and released in the Holy Spirit to impact their environment for Jesus simply because Jesus is governing through them. I'll be very happy to let go of the apologetic Jesus that tries to creep into my own thought processes from time to time. No, the one that tells you be careful what you're saying in case you offend people. The Jesus who rules and governs is the Jesus that puts a gospel out there that's the rock of offense to the nations. Will Jesus offend people in this next move of God? You betcha. He'll offend them out of hell and bring them into heaven. Ephesians 4.13 Unity of the faith, the mature man, stature, fullness of Christ. A new maturity in the body. Goodness, that's worth bottling and taking home. A new maturity in the body of Christ. And finally, Ephesians 4.15. Speaking truth in love. Growing up in all aspects. A people that are released into 
new spiritual authority in the proclamation of the gospel. What are the languages familiar to you and I when we look at tonight's message close up? But true spiritual authority is when Jesus is backing up what we're saying. Anything less than that, it's just you and I bumping our gums for a while and mentioning Jesus here and there. A people that speak the truth in love and growing up into all aspects of Christ will only share that gospel because the Lord of the gospel is directing them, is encouraging them and pointing someone out, pointing a circumstance that needs addressing that we will give up for all time something called ministry and just simply let Jesus minister through us. It's exciting to be part, to be part of a new church, even though we're an old church. It's exciting to be learning a new language, a new vocabulary. It's exciting to discover, even though we're going through at this hour, has great purpose and plan in the hands of Almighty God. I sense God wants to minister to some people tonight who are in the wilderness. You're not in sin. You've read your Bible repeatedly every day. You pray more than you have ever prayed. You listen to teaching CDs, you do the Christian thing. But you know in your heart of hearts that something has died in you and you don't understand. Yet you hit a little bit of excitement now and then. It seems to have an arrow pointing you forward. You don't quite know what that means but you know it's good news and you know you're leaving something behind. But there you are in your day-by-day life wondering what it's all about. You don't even really have the language to explain what's going on in your spirit that can articulate the barren nature of your spirit. If that's you, I want you to stand on your feet right now. I've got good news and I've got bad news. I'm not going to pray you out of the wilderness. I'm going to pray you will remain in the wilderness until God's completed the work within you. I'm looking at the next generation of believers that will be part of a church. I believe that will engage in a move of the Spirit that will remain until Jesus Christ comes back for his church. Whether that's 50 years, 500 years, the next move of the Holy Spirit, no man will be able to extinguish. And in this season of your life, with so much changing, so much being moved around, know your part of a new millennium church that the Lord has begun in your life through the principle of transition, wilderness, and ultimately spiritual migration. Let's pray. Father, we bless you for the tremendous honesty Lord amongst this people 
Thank you, Lord, for every man or wo- and woman standing before you tonight. Honest before heaven, honest before earth. But I remind you, Father God, that your throne is established in the heavens. And you're bringing forth decrees from your throne in heaven that will enter the spirits of every man and woman standing before you. And then change will arrive. Father, keep every man and woman standing before you in the wilderness as long as it takes to get them off the old paradigm and onto the new paradigm. But Father God, visit them with divine power. Visit them with true knowledge. Visit them, Father, with glory and excellence. That the world will see that the Lord is with his church. And that the church will sound again in the nations. A note of distinction that will extinguish, Lord God, false religious voices. And false secular voices. Because Father God in you, Christ Jesus, is the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. Lord and Saviour. And we bless you for that. Father God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We'll wind down the evening with a time of prophetic input. There's a number of people that I believe the Lord would like to bring a specific word to. I'm not looking for volunteers, but do come and speak to me at the end and we can have a chat. Hallelujah. Praise God for diplomatic moments. I'd like to pray for my brother here, please. Amen. What's your name, sir? Dan. Dan. This is Dan. And we bless you for Dan. We thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing in Dan. At this time, your roots are going further down into the kingdom in this season. Uh, The Lord says, I'm deepening your life, uh, even through the events that you are living in presently. Dan, there's a tremendous vulnerability over you tonight. And you're trying to make a number of emotional adjustments all at the same time, but the emotions you are negotiating are intense emotions and confusing emotions. Know there's a lie going on in all of this with the enemy is trying to mislead you even in the face of truth. The Lord says the impact of what you are living in is impact that will take you towards my truth. But the enemy is trying to help you identify a softer path at this time and to negotiate what you're living in quickly so you can get on with the rest of your life. The enemy is using a train of thought that says your life is on hold, let's get this out of the way and you can move on quickly. The Lord exposes that lie tonight and says to you, Son, as I crush that lie under your feet, 
Know that your life and your times are in my hands. The Lord says, I have broken an old mold in your life in this season. I have broken a part of you that was deeply dependent on people. I've broken a part of you that feared loneliness, that feared being alone for prolonged periods. And I am developing you, says the Lord, that you will be fulfilled when you're amongst people, that you will be fulfilled when you are on your own. The Lord lifts off you, Dan, a spirit of isolation. The Lord lifts that off you this night. And replaces that with a spirit of fellowship. You've almost at times felt like making excuses for yourself. And apologising for yourself. But the Lord says, son, I've called you to be a contributor in the body of Christ. And you will be a man that will speak to many in one and one. And you will excel in small group situations. I'm going to move you in and out of prayer groups for a season and I'm going to stir your heart in prayer groups for a season I am hovering over your life says the Lord that you and I will enjoy deeper relationship sweet relationship intimate relationship the Lord says he flicks a switch on tonight and your soul that will see the restoration of your emotional life. There's been an emotional deadening through some of the impact of recent days. The Lord says that I'm bringing back your emotions and there will be joy overflowing, says the Lord. You'll have a joy party in your home. You'll be giving it jiggity-jig, jiggity-jig as you go around your lounge. The Lord says you will see that I am strong. And you will identify motifs of my character in the scriptures as I open up your eyes to my truth. For I am moving you forward in a new way, says the living God. God bless you, Dan. I'd like to pray for Brad's over here, if you're up for that, Brad's. Please come out if you can... Manage that. We bless you for brides. The Lord says, Very soon I will come to you and part the clouds that have gathered over your life. I will cause the storms that have broken out over your life to cease, and I will release you says the Lord from a sense of being backed into a corner that's very difficult to come out of the number one attack against your life in this season is the political spirit the enemy has manoeuvred you into a corner by political machinations it doesn't matter what you say you're in trouble the Lord says take this time out to be a man of silence that you will become a spectator in the battle. The Lord is cutting off your life tonight. The impact of accusing voices. The Lord is releasing 
off your life tonight the oppression of condemnation and guilt. You're a man with a weeping spirit tonight. You're a man that feels like he's been caught in a wine press Mm. and the pressure is increasing, it's increasing, it's increasing. But the Lord says to you, son, I'm going to make the enemy regret messing with you. For my hidden wisdom in the season of your life is to increase my life in you to a level you've never known before. I'm going to release you from what you're in now that you'll be a voice speaking into multiple situations. I will shame your accusers, says the Lord. I will scatter your accusers and I will shame your accusers because they come from my family. But the Lord says in all of this, you will know release of the kingdom of God within you. A new vitality of kingdom life is being released in your life. I'm taking off you the old shield of faith that is battered and bruised and uh, only fit for the scrap heap. And I'm giving you a new shield of faith. Mm. I'm taking off you the old tools by which you labor for many years. And very soon I will give you a new set of tools by which to labor. The Lord says, I'm taking you in to another field to plow that field and experience a double portion of the anointing. Mm. To experience twice all that you have lost in this last season. But now I'm going to give you emotional rest for a season. I'm going to heal your body, says the Lord, where adrenaline has been wearing out your physical organs. I'm going to heal you from adrenaline damage in your physical body that my love and peace would be your daily experience. The Lord says the shift in the battle will take place in the early part of January next year. But as you rest in me, so you will see my hand begin to dismantle all that the enemy is doing. I will scatter your accusers and by early January I will scoop you up in my hands. I will place you on my lap where I will father you and I will nurture you. And I will bring you to a place of healing before I re-envision you for the future. But know this says the Lord, in the heat and burden of the battle, you have focused your eyes on me as the author and finisher of your faith. And this pleases me, says the Lord. Heaven smiles upon you tonight. Even though it's been a dark season, even though there's been lots of storms, even though you have ceased to understand who's for you and who's against you. Heaven is for you, says the Lord. And if I am for you, who can be against you? For my hand has truly come upon your life, says the living God. God bless you. Thank you, brother.
Amen. I'd like to pray for my sister here. Can I pray for you? Okay. What's your name, sister? Sophia. Sophia. Let me bless you, Lord, for Sophia, for the work of grace you're doing in Sophia um, at this time. Sophia, you're like a spiritual clock that stopped. And the Lord says he sees the grief and sorrow in your heart and the tremendous loneliness that you've been dealing with. The Lord says to you that I'm not angry with you. My heart is tender towards you. I'm not even making any demands on your life in this season. You need time out. For you're in a wilderness, says the Lord, that's not of my making. The enemy has tricked you into a wilderness of his making. And I'm going to rue you, says the Lord. I'm going to bring you back to me in a very deep way. But the Lord says, I have in my hands a set of batteries that will fit your spiritual clock exactly. And ask me to take out the old dead batteries, says the Lord. And I will do this and immediately install a set of new batteries that will cause your spiritual clock to start ticking again. The enemy has stolen your joy and you're a woman of deep joy. You love to laugh. I see you laughing in days past. And your sense of humor is delicious because it's as dry as the Sahara Desert. You're a woman with a dry sense of humor. You're a woman with a low-level love of music. You're not, a, you're not an exhibitionist in any way. You like low-level music. You, music has been a big part of your life all your days. And you love a tune rumbling around your mind. You love a tune to hum in your own very private and personal way. But the Lord says to you that I'm going to surround you with scaffolding in this season. That people will surround you and love you back to life again. The Lord says if you call on me, you will be out of the dark pit by the end of the year. And your life moving on an other path. And your life taking on new direction. The Lord releases you tonight, sister, from being haunted by the past. There's only one ghost that should be in your life, and that's the Holy Ghost. The Lord's cutting off all those haunting influences. The pictures, the words, the sounds, the shock, the trauma, the unexpected information. All that's taking you into that pit is being lifted off your life by the mighty hand of God. I've called you to be a deacon, says the Lord. I've given you a helper's heart. One that will do simple serving acts, even behind the scenes, and doing noble acts for people who are in need. But this is a rescue season, says the Lord. I've come to rescue you tonight. I've come to deliver you tonight. 
I've come to take you along a kingdom pathway that will win you back to life and health for my glory, says the living God. God bless you, precious one. I'm going to pray for one more person and then we will hand the service back to Pastor Jim. I have a couple of minutes. I feel there's someone here. It's, is it me? Yeah, me. The Lord wants to speak to you. You're the person. I was picking up my spirit. Come on out here, you joy giver. That's how the Lord sees you, me. It's a joy giver. And the Lord is commissioning you this night to win people from other faiths. The Lord is commissioning you this night into the fivefold office of evangelist to win Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, and all other so called God quoting people to a revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Lord says, as you begin to walk into this commissioning, I will birth in your spirit gifts of healings and gifts of working of miracles. For the Lord says, part of your training as you go forward in life is to have a working knowledge of sickness and disease and human anatomy. But I'm going to give you a hatred says the Lord of sickness and disease. I will enable you to discern the odious presence of demons that feed sickness and disease in human beings. I'm giving you, says the Lord, favour. The people's hearts will open to you. And because of that, they will open to me. The Lord says you will you will thrive in a multi-ethnic environment that all you need to do is pray and I will manifest through your life. You're a young woman of incredible character and the anointing that will follow you all the days of your life is the anointing of holiness. All you will need to do is walk into a room and liars and cheats will jump out the window. God says, wherever you go, I will express my holiness. Wherever you go, even some of my people that have been snared by the lies of the enemy will be set free just simply because you came in the room. And the Lord says that I'm taking you into a lifetime of spiritual ministry. But know this, says the Lord, it will not begin and end with the spiritual for I'm calling you also to be a historian, says the Lord. A historian of nations and a historian of my church. And part of the mandate I will give you will be to construct histories of former moves of God. That I can grip your heart with the truth. That I am the Lord that continues to move upon the face of the earth. The Lord says in the last season, lots of voices have called upon you from many different quarters for attention. But the Lord says from this moment on, you will learn 
to listen to my voice only. I'm giving you a hearing heart, says the Lord. You will hear my voice and you will allow me to develop within you a holistic faith that will support the foundation that I am laying in your life for my hand has truly come upon you, says the living God. Thank you. Thank you, me. You know, we constructed the, uh, by the way, we constructed the movies this week was to provide the space for the Spirit to, to speak and to move. We don't have an early start tomorrow morning, 9.30, but please be kindly to be here by 9.30. You may want to miss what the Lord has to bring tomorrow. But it would probably be a miss to, to not respond here tonight. It's what the Lord has spoken to us. And so I'm going to invite you to just stand for a moment. We're just going to sing one song.